I'm Craig Todd, and this is Craig and Company, a podcast about life, ministry, and leadership designed for the everyday Christ follower seeking to make Jesus known in the everyday stuff of life. With me today is Christina Fox. She is a counselor, a writer, a retreat speaker, and the author of multiple books, including her most recent book published by Moody Publishers, Like Our Father, How God Parents Us, and Why That Matters for Our Parenting. She's been married for 25 years, and her and her husband have two teenage boys, and in her local church, she serves with her women's ministry. She also serves on the national level with women's ministry as well. Today, she's joining to talk about really the battle for our mind and to share gospel hope for the overthinker. You know, overthinking is something that I and many others deal with, and it's something that always leaves us empty-handed. Jesus said that we don't need to be worried about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. We need to just be concerned with today. And that principle can be applied to the battle for our mind as well. Whenever we tend to overthink, we tend to become self-focused and we replay the past. We live in the past. We, we do all the things that just leave us empty-handed. It has no kingdom benefit. And Christine is going to be talking about the reality of what it means to battle overthinking, how we can do that, why we ought to do it, and why we must do it, as well as some other things as well. So here's that conversation with Christina Fott with Gospel Truth and Gospel Hope for the Overthinker. Well, Christina, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for Craig and Company. And if you will, just start by telling us about, Christina, your life, your salvation, and your ministry. All right. Well, that that could take a while, but I will... uh... I will I will make it brief. I grew up in a Christian home in Maryland. I went to a small Christian college, Covenant College in Georgia, where I met my husband. We've since been married 25 years now and have two teenage sons. I guess having grown up in the church, it feels like I've known God my whole life. However, in middle school, our pastor's wife mentored me and I realized, wait, I don't have a faith of my own. I'm sort of riding on the coattails of my parents here. And after her year or so of discipleship in my life, came to have a personal faith in Christ and then made a public profession before my church. I was about 13 at the time. My background is in counseling. Currently, I'm very involved in women's ministry, both at the national level and in my local church. I do a lot of retreat speaking and just really enjoy meeting women in other churches across the country. Just really love helping women see how the gospel intersects with their daily life, bringing light and hope to the darkness of our fallen world. I write for a number of Christian ministries and publications, and I've written about eight books, one of which comes out March 2nd. Today, we're talking about overthinking. And as you and I have talked uh you know, I've told you that that I came across you as I found an article from five years ago now from contribution you made to Desiring God, Your Thoughts Will Betray You. For me, was an absolute blessing. I mean, if, if overthinking were an Olympic sport, I would take the gold medal every time. Unfortunately, that is not good news for me. And it's not good news, I think, for anybody who deals with overthinking. And and so as we think about overthinking, and and I know you mentioned in that article uh, from five years ago that overthinking is something you tend to do yourself. And uh, as one, as an overthinker personally, I have discovered that overthinking always leaves me empty handed. These rabbit holes that It almost seems as though we can't help but to go down. And then we go down and we find out 
man, this just left me empty handed. And so the question is, biblically, why is it such a bad thing to to just go down the rabbit trails of overthinking? Well, if you get the gold, then I guess that means I have to take the silver. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely struggle with it. And that's kind of how that article was born out of my own experiences. Um, I definitely think about all the things that I should have said or done in a situation and kind of relive them in my mind. I dwell on things to death, often reliving my past. It's like it's set on repeat, like you can do with like record player, you know, play that same song over and over. I'm always thinking I should have said this, I should have done that, if only I'd done this. And that, that just overthinking often draws me into despair, really keeps me living in the past rather than the present. But really, it, it just draws me into myself. And so my thoughts, of course, then become all about me. And I become self-focused. Gaze is not fixed on Christ and what he's done, but on what I've done or not done. And so that reminds me of what Paul wrote in Philippians 2, you know, that our attitude should be like that of Christ where we do nothing from selfish ambition, but, you know, in humility, count others more significant than ourselves. Having that kind of same mind of Christ who didn't count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. And so I think that we're called to have the same humility where we think of ourselves less and focus our thoughts more on serving others and serving Christ and living for him. So humility where we you know, set our mind on on what he's done for us. Because when we focus on all the things we should have done, we forget what Christ has done. It's as though we think that we're the ones who can shape our lives and as though we aren't dependent on God's grace. So that's one passage that comes to mind when I think about that. You know, and as you mentioned that, one of the things that I have just remembered, I've actually been working through a it's an oldie but a goodie, Search for Significance by Robert McGehee. And, and that has been such a transformative work in my life. I was actually speaking with a group of youth leaders this past weekend, just in personal conversation. And I said, you know, one book that will radically transform your life. And they were, you know, expecting me to say the Bible. And of course, that's understood. What Jesus has done has more of an effect than just that initial moment of salvation. It, it plays out day after day. And you actually talk about in your article that there is a need to do self-evaluation. Paul says that we should examine ourselves and test ourselves to see if we be in the faith. And that is well and good. But one thing that overthinking tends to do, if we're not careful, is it goes from a healthy self-examination into a morbid introspection, which I can't remember if that was in your article or if that was a term that was introduced in some personal conversations that, that I've had prior to this interview. So when it turns into that morbid introspection, when we start playing the should haves, could haves, what if I did this or what, you know, what, what if this would have happened instead of this or whatever, what is the hope in those moments? Yeah, that term, I guess, morbidity, morbidity or morbid uh, introspection is from, um, I read it in like Martin Lloyd-Jones book. And that's, you know, where he kind of talks about how self-evaluation is a good thing, as you just said, and that 
overthinking is, is kind of a different thing. You know, the Bible does call us to that self-evaluation where we evaluate our hearts, our thoughts, our emotions, our motives from time to time to see, do they align with scripture? It is important to have insight into ourselves to, you know, kind of understand what is our motive here? Why are we doing what we're doing? We should also, you know, be aware of our sinful tendencies, the temptations that we're drawn to. And so I think that self, self-evaluation is good when it helps us see the sin in our heart and then helps us, you know, kind of turn from that and repentance. Good self-evaluation will remind us of our need of a savior and point us to the gospel. But I think that overthinking doesn't really have an end goal. The purpose, you know, whereas the purpose of self-evaluation is to point us to the gospel, overthinking just, it's kind of more like a thing that spirals out of control and doesn't really end anywhere. And so the Bible does teach us to do this testing of ourselves. Lamentations 340 says, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. So there's an end, a goal there, a purpose. Overthinking simply draws us into despair. And so I think those of us who are struggle with overthinking that we really need to be reminded of our hope in Christ because all those things that we rehash in our minds, all those regrets that we have, all those things that we wish we'd said or done has been redeemed. Christ conquered all of that at the cross and he He made us pleasing in God's sight through his spirit. He's making us new each day. So, you know, he's redeemed all those broken things in our past that we rehash in our minds. He knows all those thoughts and intentions of our hearts, even before we do. So we, when we get stuck into that spiral of overthinking, when we forget the grace that God has for us in Christ, when we beat ourselves up over something, God gives us more grace in that moment. That's because, you know, his, his grace is not dependent upon our thoughts of him, but on what he thinks of us. Because he looks at Jesus and he sees his perfect life for us. Um, and so his God's thoughts toward us are full of grace and love. Um, and I think that's what gets us, gives us hope in the midst of that overthinking. What does it look like to examine ourselves, to test ourselves? Well, I mean, I think it is, you know, as you're reading scripture, to use the word to evaluate yourself. I mean, that's kind of one of the things that it does is Hebrews tells us. You know, it gets down into the joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. And so um, I think that as we meditate on on the word, that it's going to do that in our lives. And that's an important part of our Christian faith. I think also praying through the word is a way that we respond to whatever we've read that might convict us. And then we, we pray through it and we repent as needed. We, we ask the spirit to work in those areas that we may identify as, as needing redemption. And, and so I think that would be a, an example of dealing with, you know, self-evaluation. It's always comparing what we're thinking and doing with God as, as taught us in his word. So for the one who struggles with overthinking, uh, what are some biblically practical steps that he can take or she can take to, to really combat that? I mean, we are in a battle for the mind and, and it's not something that we can just do haphazardly. We, we have to be intentional in it. So what are some biblically practical steps we can take to to engage in that warfare? Yeah, the Apostle Paul uses kind of in keeping with that warfare verbiage, he talks about taking our thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ. I think that that's a good image of of what that looks like, because we're often quite passive 
in our thinking that we just kind of follow along wherever our thoughts lead us, as you mentioned, like those, those rabbit trails that we follow. And so I think that we don't, we do a lot of talking to ourselves. We don't necessarily have to always listen to ourselves and we can also speak back to ourselves. And so I think that that's an important element of dealing with overthinking is speaking the truth back to our own hearts. So I think that lies lose their power in the face of truth. And so that means we need to, you know, we need to know God's word so that it's ready uh, when we need it. And this certainly includes speaking the gospel to ourselves, just reminding ourselves of who Christ is, what he's done for us, his perfect life lived for us, his sacrificial death, clinging to the promises of God. So you know, we hear ourselves getting caught up into these overthinking, we we stop and we speak back to it. And so we need to even review ourselves sometimes and correct ourselves what's true from God's word. What you had referenced there, Second Corinthians 10, 5, and I always get the wording of it mixed up because uh, verse 5 starts in the middle of a sentence <laughs> in verse 4. But Paul says, backing all the way up to verse 3, he says, Although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are of the power through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive and obey Christ. And one of the things that I have, just in my own walk with the Lord, one thing that God has really impressed upon my heart in light of this verse is that those speculations of what ifs or should haves, the replaying of the tape or the record player, to to use your analogy, that is, those are proud things because it's focusing us inward that's raised up against the knowledge of Christ. And, and so when Paul says that we take every thought captive to obey Christ, we need to recognize these things, though the flesh says, yeah, this is the right thing to do, is actually the very opposite of that. And, and it will lead us to despair, as, as you've said. And again, this is, for me, this entire conversation is very real for me. And just the realization that that God, and, and you mentioned this in your article, and, and I was really appreciative that you did, that God was aware that we were going to struggle with our mind that we were going to struggle with replaying the tape, with replaying the speculations, with going back and, and camping out there really in, in what amounts to fill and forget that it is God himself who is our life and, and is our hope. It's not the speculations. It's, it's not the morbid introspection, to quote Martin Lloyd-Jones there. It's Christ. So you have a new book out called Like Our Father, How God Parents Us and Why That Matters for Our parenting. So can you tell us about that book? Why did you write it? What's the thrust of it? Obviously, it's a parenting book, but but what's the big thrust of it? Yeah, well, um, it looks at the ways that our Father in Heaven parents us and how we can image our Father to our children when we parent them like He parents us. Throughout my parenting years, uh, every time I would get, you know, maybe frustrated with my kids thinking, didn't I just tell you this? Or why do I have to keep repeating this to you? Why haven't you learned this lesson yet? The spirit would just kind of gently remind me, uh, remember <laughs> all these times the Lord has retaught you this, all the times when the Lord has you've wandered away and he's brought you back, all those kind of things. And so it really helped direct my focus on how the Lord has parented me. And then that really shaped kind of my own responses and my thoughts toward how I parent my own children. 
And so the book really, the intention is to help the reader pause and really think and consider all the ways God is, has parented them, including how he loves and cares for us, how he provides for us, how he disciplines and trains us, and, and then what that looks like in our own parenting as, as we live that out. And before we go, because I am curious uh, for you, what is one of the most amazing truths about God, the Bible, or Christianity that you have learned and experienced in, in your walk with the Lord Jesus? Like, and again, another question where uh, I could go on and on, but because there's so many th- truths, and then every time I, I read the Bible, I'm, even if it's something I've read before, I'm always struck by something new. But one thing that gives me great comfort, really during these constantly changing times that we're in, it's the truth that God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I like to think about it as the same God who flung the stars across the sky is the same God who led his people out of slavery in Egypt. He's the same God who sacrificed Christ in my place. And he's the same God who, who is ruling over the chaos in my life today. So his character is the same, his will is the same, his word is the same. And so, I don't know, while I don't know what tomorrow holds, um, I know that he does and that he's there in it.